Part two of The Light Invisible by Robert Hugh Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two The Blood Eagle and this i know whether the one true light kindle to love or wrath consume me quite one glimpse of it within the tavern caught better than in the temple lost outright omar khayyam one night when i went to my room i found in a little shelf near the window a book whose title i now forget describing the far-off days when the religion of christ and of the gods of the north strove together in england i read this for an hour or two before i went to sleep and again as i was dressing on the following morning and spoke of it at breakfast yes said the old man that was one of my father's books i remember reading it when i was a boy i believe it is said to be very ill-informed and unscientific in these days my parents used to think that all religions except christianity were of the devil but i think st paul teaches us a larger hope than that he said nothing more at the time but in the course of the morning as i was walking up and down the raised terrace that runs under the pines beside the drive i saw the priest coming towards me with a book in his hand he was a little dusty and flushed i went to look for something that i thought might interest you after what you said at breakfast he began and i have found it at last in the loft we began to walk together up and down a very curious thing happened to me he said when i was a boy i remember telling my father of it when i came home and it remained in my mind a few years afterwards an old professor was staying with us and after dinner one night when we had been talking about what you were speaking of at breakfast my father made me tell it again and when i had finished the professor asked me to write it down for him so i wrote it in this book first and then i made a copy and sent it to him the book itself is a kind of irregular diary in which i used to write sometimes would you care to hear it when i told him i should like to hear the story he began again i must first tell you the circumstances i was about sixteen years old my parents had gone abroad for the holidays and i went to stay with a school friend of mine at his home not far from ascot we used to take our lunch with us sometimes on bright days for it was at christmas time and go off for the day over the heather you must remember that i was only a schoolboy at the time so i dare say i exaggerated or elaborated some of the details a little but the main facts of the story you can rely upon shall we sit down while i read it then when we had seated ourselves on a bench that stood at the end of the terrace with the old house basking before us in the hot sunshine he began to read about six o'clock in the evening of one of the days towards the end of january jack and i were still wandering on high heathy ground near ascot we had walked all day and had lost ourselves but we kept going in as straight a line as we could knowing that in time we should strike across a road we were rather tired and silent but suddenly jack uttered an exclamation and then pointed out a light across the heath we stood a moment to see if it moved but it remained still what is it i asked there can be no house near here it's a broom squire's cottage i expect said jack i asked what that meant oh i don't know exactly said jack they're a kind of gypsies we stumbled on across the heather while the light grew steadily nearer the moon was beginning to rise and it was a clear night one of those windless frosty nights that sometimes come after a wet autumn jack plunged at one place into a hidden ditch and i heard the crackling of ice as he scrambled out skating to-morrow by jove he said 
as we got closer i began to see that we were approaching a copse of firs the heather began to get shorter then as i looked at the light i saw there was a fixed outline of a kind of house out of which it shone the window apparently was an irregular shape and the house seemed to be leaning against a tall fir on the outskirts of the copse as we got quite close our feet noiseless on the soft heather i saw that the house was built altogether around the fir which served as a kind of central prop the house was made of wattled boughs and thatched heavily with heather i felt more and more anxious about it for i had never heard of broom squires and also i confess a little timid for the place was lonely and we were only two boys i was leading now and presently reached the window and looked in the walls inside were hung with blankets and clothes to keep the wind out there was a long old settle in one corner the floor was carpeted with branches and blankets apparently and there was an opening opposite partly closed by a wattled hurdle that leaned against it half sitting and half lying on the settle was an old woman with her face hidden an oil lamp hung from one of the branches of the fir that helped to form the roof there was no sign of any other living thing in the place as i looked jack came up behind and spoke over my shoulder can you tell us the way to the nearest high road he asked the old woman sat up suddenly with a look of fright on her face she was extraordinarily dirty and ill-kempt i could see in the dim light of the lamp that she had a wrinkled old face with sunken dark eyes white eyebrows and white hair and her mouth began to mumble as she looked at us presently she made a violent gesture to wave us from the window jack repeated the question and the old woman got up and hobbled quietly and crookedly to the door and in a moment she had come round close to us i then saw how very small she was she could not have been five feet tall and was very much bent i must say again that i felt very uneasy and startled with this terrifying old creature close to me and peering up into my face she took me by the coat and with her other hand beckoned quickly away in every direction she seemed to be warning us away from the copse but still she said nothing jack grew impatient deaf old fool he said in an undertone and then loudly and slowly can you tell us the way to the nearest high road then she seemed to understand and pointed it vigorously in the direction from which we had come oh nonsense said jack we've come from there come on this way he said we can't spend all night here and then he turned the side of the little house and disappeared into the copse the old woman dropped my coat in a moment and began to run after jack and i went round the other side of the house and saw jack moving in front for the firs were sparse at the edge of the wood and the moonlight filtered through them the old woman i saw as i turned into the wood had stopped knowing she could not catch us and was standing with her hands stretched out and a curious sound half cry and half sob came from her i was a little uneasy because we had not treated her with courtesy and stopped but at that moment jack called come on he said we're sure to find a road at the end of this so i went on once i turned and saw the little old woman standing as before and as i looked between the trees she lifted one hand to her mouth and sent a curious whistling cry after us that somehow frightened me it seemed too loud for one so small 
as we went on the wood grew darker here and there in an open patch there lay a white splash of moonlight on the fir needles and great dim spaces lay around us although the wood stood on high ground the trees grew so thickly about us that we could see nothing of the country round now and then we tripped on a root or else caught in a bramble but it seemed to me that we were following a narrow path that led deeper and deeper into the heart of the wood suddenly jack stopped and lifted his hand hush he said i stopped too and we listened breathlessly then in a moment more hush he said something's coming and he jumped out of the path behind a tree and i followed him then we heard a scuffling in front of us and a grunting and some big creature came hurrying down the path as it passed us i looked almost terrified out of my mind and saw that it was a huge pig but the thing that held me breathless and sick was that there ran nearly the whole length of its back a deep wound from which the blood dripped the creature grunting heavily tore down the path towards the cottage and presently the sound of it died away as i leaned against jack i could feel his arm trembling as it held the tree oh he said in a moment we must get out of this which way which way but i had been still listening and held him quiet wait i said there's something else out of the wood in front of us there came a panting and the soft sounds of hobbling steps along the path we crouched lower and watched presently the figure of a bent old man came in sight making his way quickly along the path he seemed startled and out of breath his mouth was moving and he was talking to himself in a low voice in a complaining tone but his eyes searched the wood from side to side as he came close to us as we lay hardly daring to breathe i saw one of his hands that hung in front of him opening and shutting and that it was stained with what looked black in the moonlight he did not see us as by now we were hidden by a great bramble bush and he passed on down the path and then all was silent again when a few minutes had passed in perfect stillness we got up and went on but neither of us cared to walk in the path down which those two terrible dripping things had come and we went stumbling over the broken ground keeping a parallel course to the path for about another two hundred yards jack had begun to recover himself and even began to talk and laugh at being frightened at a pig and an old man he told me afterwards that he had not seen the old man's hand then the path began to lead uphill at this point i suddenly stopped jack do you see nothing i asked now i scarcely remember what i said or did but this is what my friend told me afterwards jack said there was nothing but a little rising ground in front from which the trees stood back do you see nothing on the top of the mound out in the open where the moonlight falls on her jack told me afterwards that he thought i had gone suddenly mad and grew frightened himself do you not see a woman standing there she has long yellow hair and two braids she has thick gold bracelets on her bare arms she has a tunic bound by a girdle and it comes below her knees and she has red jewels in her hair on her belt on her bracelets and her eyes shine in the moonlight and she is waiting waiting for that which has escaped now jack tells me that when i said this i fell flat on my face with my hands stretched out and began to talk but he said he could not understand a word i said 
he himself looked steadily at the rising ground but there was nothing to be seen there there were the fir trees standing in a circle around it and a bare space in the middle from which the heather was gone and that was all this mound would be about fifteen yards from us i lay there said jack a few minutes and then sat up and looked about me then i remembered for myself that i had seen the pig and the old man but nothing more but i was terrified at the remembrance and insisted upon our striking out a new course through the wood and leaving the mound to our left and i did not know myself why the mound frightened me but i dared not go near it jack wisely did not say anything more about it until afterwards we presently found our way out of the copse struck across the heath for another half-mile or so and then came across a road which jack knew and so we came home when we told our story and jack to my astonishment had added the part of which i myself had no remembrance jack's father did not say very much but he took us next day to identify the place to our intense surprise the house of the broom squire was gone there were the trampled branches round the tree and the smoked branch from which the oil lamp had hung and the ashes of a wood fire outside the house but no sign of the old man or his wife as we went along the path now in the cheerful frosty sunshine we found dark splashes here and there on the brambles but they were dry and colourless and then we came to the mound i grew uneasy again as we came to it but was ashamed to show my fear in the broad daylight on the top we found a curious thing which jack's father told us was one of the old customs of the broom squires that no one was altogether able to explain the ground was shoveled away so as to form a kind of sloping passage downwards into the earth the passage was not more than five yards long and at the end of it just where it was covered by the ground overhead was a sort of altar made of earth and stones beaten flat and plastered into its surface were bits of old china and glass but what startled us was to find a dark patch of something which had soaked deep into the ground before the altar it was still damp when the old man had read so far he laid down the book when i told all this to the professor he said he seemed very deeply interested he told us i remember that the wound on the pig identified the nature of the sacrifice that the old man had begun to offer he called it a blood eagle and added some details which i will not disgust you with he said too that the broom squire had confused two rites that only human sacrifices should be offered as blood eagles in fact it all seemed perfectly familiar to him and he said more than i can either remember or verify and the woman on the rising ground i asked well said the old man smiling the professor would not listen to my evidence about that he accepted the early part of the story and simply declined to pay any attention to the woman he said i had been reading norse tales or was dreaming he even hinted that i was romancing under other circumstances this method of treating evidence would be called higher criticism i believe but it's all a brutal and disgusting worship i said yes yes said the old man very brutal and disgusting but is it not very much higher and better than the professor's faith he was only a skilled ritualist after all you see over the gateway for faith that when my need is sore gleams from a partly open door and shows the firelight on the floor 
a canticle of common things we were sitting together one morning in the common sitting-room in the centre of the house there had been a fall of rain during the night and it was thought better that the old man should not sit in the garden until the sun had dried the earth so we sat indoors instead but with the great door wide open that looked on to a rectangle of lawn that lay before the house once a drive had led to this door through a gate with pedestals and stone balls that stood exactly opposite about fifteen yards away but the drive had long been grassed over although even now it showed faintly under two slight ridges in the grass that ran from the gate to the door otherwise the lawn was enclosed by a low old brick wall almost hidden by a wealth of ivy against which showed in rich masses of colour the heads of purple and yellow irises and tawny wallflowers the old man had been silent at breakfast he had offered the holy sacrifice as usual that morning in the little chapel upstairs and i had noticed at the time even that he seemed preoccupied and at breakfast he had talked very little letting every subject drop as i suggested it and i had understood at last that his thoughts were far away in the past and i did not wish to trouble him we were sitting in two tall carved chairs at the doorway his feet were wrapped in a rug and his eyes were looking steadily and mournfully out across towards the ironwork gate in the wall tall grasses of the patch of uncut meadow outside leaned against it or pushed their feathery heads through it and i saw presently that the priest was looking at the gate letting his eyes rove over every detail of climbing plant ironwork and the old brickwork and not as i had at first thought merely gazing into the dim distances of the years behind him suddenly he broke the long silence did i ever tell you he asked about what i saw out there in the garden it looks ordinary enough now yet i saw there what i suppose i shall never see again on this side of death or at least not until i am in the very gate of death itself i too looked out at the gate the atmosphere was full of that clear shining after rain of which king david sang it was air made visible and radiant by the union of light and water those two most joyous creatures of god a great chestnut tree blotted out all beyond the gate tell me if you can i said you know how i love to hear these stories years ago as perhaps you know not long after my ordination i was working in london my father lived here then as his father before him that coat of arms in the centre of that iron gate was put up by him soon after he succeeded to the property i used to come down here now and then for a breath of country air i hardly remember any pleasure so keen as the pleasure of coming into this glorious country air out of the smoke and noise of london or of lying awake at night with the rustle of the pines outside my window instead of the ceaseless human tumult of the town well i came down here once suddenly on a summer evening bearing heavy news i need not go into the details it would be useless to do that but it will be enough to say that the news did not personally affect me or my family it was a curious series of circumstances that led me to be the bearer of such news at all but it was to a lady who happened by the merest chance to be staying with my family i scarcely knew her at all in fact i had only seen her once before the news had come to my ears in london and i had heard that the one whom it most concerned did not know it and that they dared not write or telegraph i volunteered of course to take the news myself 
it was with a very heavy heart that i walked up from the station the road seemed intolerably short i may say that i knew that the news would be heartbreaking to her who had to hear it i came in by the gate at the end of the avenue he waved his hand round to the right and passed right down to the back of the house behind us this door at which we are sitting had been the front door but the drive had just been turfed over and we used the door at the back instead and this lawn here was very much as you see it now only the drive still showed plainly like a long narrow grave across the grass as i came in through the door at the back she was coming out with a book and a basket chair to sit in the garden my heart gave a terrible throb of pain for i knew that by the time my business was done there would be no thought of a quiet evening in the garden and that look of serene happiness would be wiped out of her face and all through what i had to say for a moment she did not recognize me in the dark entry and stood back as i came in and then why it is you she said you have come home i did not know you were expected i breathed a moment steadily to recover myself i was not expected i said and then after a moment may i speak to you speak to me why certainly in the garden or here in here i answered and went past her and pushed open the door into this room she came past me and stood here by the door still holding the book with her finger between the leaves now you are wondering i expect why i did not get some other woman to break the news to her well i had debated that ever since i had volunteered to be the bearer of these tidings and partly because i was afraid of being cowardly call it pride if you will and partly for other reasons which i need not mention i felt i was bound to fulfil my promise literally it might be i thought too that she would prefer the news to be known by as few people as possible at least whether i judged rightly or wrongly here was my task before me she stood there the old man went on pointing to the doorpost on the right and i here and he pointed a yard further back and the door was wide open as it is now and the fragrant evening air poured out past us into the room her face would be partly in shadow but in her eyes there was just a dawning wonder at my abruptness with perhaps the faintest tinge of anxiety but no more i have come i said slowly looking out into the garden on a very hard errand i could not go on i turned and looked at her ah the anxiety had deepened a little and it concerns you and, and your happiness i looked again and i remember how her face had changed her lips were a little open and her eyes shone wide open half in shadow and half in light and there were new and terrible little lines on her forehead and then i told her it was done in a sentence or two and when i looked again her lips had closed and her hand had clenched itself into the moulding of the doorpost i can see her rings now blazing in the light that poured over the chestnut tree it was lower then into the room then her lips moved once or twice her hand unclenched itself hesitatingly and she went steadily across the room there was a great sofa there then and when she reached it she threw herself face downwards across the arm and back and i waited at the doorway looking out at the iron gate sorrow was new to me then i had not learnt to understand it then or to be quiet under it 
and as i looked i knew only that there was a terrible struggle going on in the room behind there in front of me was a garden full of peace and sweetness and the soft glow of sunset light and there behind me was something very like hell and i stood between the living and the dead then i remembered that i was a priest and ought to be able to say something just a word of the divine message that the saviour brought but i could not i felt i was in deep waters even god seemed far away intolerably serene and aloof and i longed with all my power for a human person to pray and to bear a little of that strife behind me from which i felt separated by so wide a gulf and then god gave me the clear vision again you see the iron gate the old man went on pointing well right between those posts but a little above them outlined clearly against the chestnut tree beyond was the figure of a man now i do not know how to explain myself but i was conscious that across this material world of light and colour there cut a plane of the spiritual world and that where the planes crossed i could look through and see what was beyond it was like smoke cutting across a sunbeam each made the other visible well this figure of a man then was kneeling in the air that is the only way i can describe it his face was turned towards me but upwards now the most curious thing that struck me at the time was that he was as it were leaning at a sharp angle to one side but it did not appear to be grotesque instead the world seemed tilted the chestnut tree was out of the perpendicular the wall out of the horizontal the true level was that of the man i know this sounds foolish but it showed me how the world of spirits was the real world and the world of sense comparatively unreal just as the sorrow of the woman behind me was more real than the beams overhead and again compared with the kneeling figure the chestnut tree in the gate seemed unsubstantial and shadowy i know that men who see visions tell us that it is usually the other way all i can say is that it was not so with me this figure was kneeling as i have said his robe streamed away behind him a great cloak drawn tightly back from the shoulders as if he were battling with a strong wind the wind of grace i suppose that always blows from the throne his arms were stretched out in front of him but opened sufficiently to let me see his face and his face will be with me till i die and please god afterwards it was beardless and bore the unmistakable character of a priest's face now you know how close the intensest pain and the intensest joy lie together their lines so nearly meet in this man's face they did meet anguish and ecstasy were one his eyes were open his lips parted i could not tell whether he was old or young his face was ageless as the faces of all are who look upon him who inhabits eternity he was praying i can say no more than that he had opened his heart to this woman's sorrow he had made it his own and it met there in petition if you wish to call it so or in resignation if you prefer that name for it or in adoration you may call it what you will all that is true but each is inadequate but that sorrow met there with his own purified will which itself had become one with the eternal will of god i tell you i know it 
i looked at him and in my ears was a sobbing from the room behind but as i looked the glory of anguish deepened on his face and the sobbing behind me slackened and ceased and i heard a whispering and the name of god and of his son and then the sight before me had passed and there stood the chestnut tree again as real and as beautiful as before and when i turned the woman was standing up and the light of conquest was in her eyes she held out her hand to me and i stooped and kissed it but i dared not take it in my own for she had been in heavenly places i had seen her sorrow carried and laid before the throne of god by one greater than either of us and something of his glory rested upon her the old man's voice ceased when i turned to look at him he was looking steadily again at the iron gate in the wall and his eyes were shining like the radiant air outside i do not know he said in a moment whether she is alive or dead but i offered the holy sacrifice this morning for her peace in either state End of part two.